the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. They tell the prophets, hey, don't tell us what's right. Don't tell us the truth. Don't tell us what's true. Tell us smooth things. Tell us nice things. Tell us things that we want to hear. Don't tell us the truth. We don't want to hear the truth. See, they've made themselves blind. They're acting blind. I don't want to hear what the Word of God has to say. I'm not interested in that. I want to hear what I want to hear. Tell me what I'm doing is okay. Tell me the way that I'm living is acceptable. But don't tell me the truth. I don't want to hear the truth. Today, Pastor Dan warns us against closing our ears and eyes to the Lord's truth. God's Word may convict you at times and cause you to realize what sin in your life needs to be done away with. But if you choose not to hear it, or you close your eyes so that you don't see it, then you're not growing in the Lord or obeying His commandments. Pastor Dan says that a dangerous place to be in, if you're looking for validation for your sins, you'll always find a way to convince yourself. But you won't convince God, because He knows your darkest secrets. And now open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 29, as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of ring of truth. Look at verse 2 and notice in verses 2 and 3 how often God says, I will. God is saying, this is what I'm going to do. I will do this. Yet I will distress Ariel, Jerusalem. There shall be heaviness and sorrow in Jerusalem. Uh, The New Living Trans or the New International Version says that there will be mourning and lamenting in Jerusalem. And it shall be to me as Ariel I will encamp against you all around. I will lay siege against you with a mound, and I will raise siege works against you. You shall be brought down. You shall speak out of the ground. Your speech shall be low out of the dust. Your voice shall be like a medium's out of the, out of the ground. You'll, you'll mutter is the idea. And your speech shall whisper out of the dust. The Lord will chasten Jerusalem for their rebellion. That's the warning. The Lord will chasten Jerusalem for their rebellion in spite of all of their religious activity. Now, these these particular verses here in verses 2 to 4, they have been fulfilled many times in Jerusalem's history. There's been many times throughout the history of that city that the Lord has brought that city low and has brought that city down. Uh, In fact, uh, 118 times there have been battles fought over the city of Jerusalem. 52 times it's been sieged. 44 times it's been conquered. Twice the city has been leveled. 
completely, utterly destroyed in its 4,000-year history. And God says here that he does that to that city because of their rebellion against him. God does not tolerate rebellion in his people. And, and he's, he has said that he's going to do this to this city because of their rebellion. It's not because of any uh, a political reason or it's not the result of some kind of political outcome or military outcome. It's the hand of the Lord. It's the hand of the Lord judging that nation, judging that city. Uh, you know, the Lord also says a very similar thing about the temple that was built in Jerusalem. Uh, I'll just read this to you. And again, I, you know, I don't think we think about things this way. Um, here in First Kings chapter 9, speaking of the temple that was built in Jerusalem for the Lord, First Kings 9 verse 6, But if you or your sons at all turn from following me and do not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them. Then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them, and this house which I have consecrated for my name, the temple. I will cast out of my sight. Israel will be a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And as for this house which is exalted, everyone who passes by it will be astonished and will hiss and say, why has the Lord done this to this land and to this house? And then they will answer, Because they forsook the Lord their God, who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt, and have embraced other gods, and worshipped them, and served them. Therefore the Lord has brought all this calamity on them. The Lord says there, If you turn from me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remove this temple. If you go to Jerusalem today, there's no temple on the Temple Mount. Uh, there's, a, there's a Muslim shrine there and a Muslim mosque on the Temple Mount. And again, we, you know, we look at that and we kind of think of it in real time. We might think of it uh, you know, politically. Well, it's, you know, they, you know, they conquered the Temple Mount. They gave it back to the Muslims. And you know, Moshe, Diane gave it back to them. And it's all, you know, the Muslims have control of it because of politics. But what the Lord says is, because they have forsaken me, I'm going to destroy that temple. And so when you go there today, there's no temple and there is a, uh, there's a shrine to another God sitting in the place where the temple to the God of Israel once stood. And the Lord says that's to be a sign to remind us that the people of Israel turned from their God and forsook their God. It has nothing to do with politics. God just used politics to unfold his plan there in that city. Now... Look at, uh, look at verse 4. Again, you shall be brought down, you shall speak out of the ground, your speech shall be low out of the dust, your voice shall be like a medium's out of the ground, and your speech shall whisper out of the dust because of, the God, because of God's judgment against that city. God will humble the people of Judah, uh, and they won't have anything to say once God's judgment comes. They may be boasting and prideful, and overconfident, but God will bring them low, God will bring them down, and he says they will speak with a whisper. One author noted that people who are grieving, such as at a funeral, do not speak loudly but with a whisper of hushed tones. And the people of Jerusalem will be grieving. And so the people in the streets will be speaking with a whisper in hushed tones 
because of the destruction and the judgment that has come against that city. Verse 5, Moreover, the multitude of your foes shall be like fine dust, and the multitude of the terrible ones like chaff that passes away, yet it shall be in an instant suddenly. You know, verse 5 is the mercy of God. God's going to use the nation of Assyria to besiege the city of Jerusalem. And remember, Assyria is like the big world uh, superpower at this time. And they're expanding their empire aggressively. Every nation in the Middle East at this time is concerned about Assyria. Assyria is going to invade the southern kingdom of Judah. But you see here the mercy of God in verse 5. God says that even though they're going to come in and attack, God's going to make them go away instantly, suddenly. He says the enemy is, is going to flee and disappear. So that's just the mercy of God. You will be punished by the Lord of hosts with thunder and earthquake and great noise, with storm and tempest and the flame of devouring fire. And this seems to be speaking to the enemies of Ariel, the enemies of Jerusalem that are going to come against it. God's going to judge them in a multitude of ways. You know, it's interesting how often we see uh, these kinds of things, thunder, earthquake, great noise, storms, tempests, associated with the judgment of God. We see it in the book of Revelation, chapter 8. We see it again later in the book of Revelation, in chapter 14 or so, where, where the judgment of God, there's, there's storms and thunder and loud noise associated with his judgment. The multitude of all the nations who fight against Ariel, Jerusalem, Even all who fight against her and her fortress and distress her shall be as a dream of a night vision. It shall even be as when a hungry man dreams and look, he eats, but he awakes and his soul is still empty. Or when a thirsty man dreams and look, he drinks, but he awakes and indeed he is faint and his soul still craves. And so the multitude of all the nations shall be who fight against Mount Zion. Do you ever dream that you are doing something in a dream and the dream is so vivid that you think it's real and then you wake up and you realize it was just a dream? That's what Isaiah is describing here. You know, a person who's hungry and in their dreams, they're eating a big meal and then they wake up and they realize it was just a dream and they're still hungry. Or a person who's thirsty and in their dream, they, they drink, you know, a big glass of cold water and they're refreshed and then they wake up and they realize it was just a dream. And they're still thirsty. And he's speaking here of the enemies of Ariel. And and these enemies, they dream of destroying Jerusalem. And they dream of destroying God's people in Israel. But it's just a dream. And the dream's not going to come true is what he's saying. It's not going to happen. They're they're not going to wipe them out. You know, even today, there are nations that dream of destroying Israel. Iran, for example, is very vocal about their hatred for the nation of Israel. It's just a dream. It's not going to come to pass. It's just a dream. They're not going to succeed. Look at verse 9. Now, verse 9 is interesting. He says, pause and wonder. Consider what is happening to you, is the idea. Blind yourselves and be blind. They are drunk, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with intoxicating drink for the Lord has poured out on you the spirit of deep sleep 
and has closed your eyes, namely the prophets, and he has covered your heads, namely the seers, those that get visions from God. The whole vision has become to you like the words of a book that is sealed, which men deliver to one who is literate, saying, read this, please. And he says, I I can't, for it's sealed. And then the book is delivered to one who is illiterate, saying, read this, please. And he says, I'm I'm not literate. In verse 9, the Lord says, blind yourselves and and be blind. What what is he saying here? What is he getting at? The, The people of Judah were acting blind to God's word. They weren't blind to God's word but they were acting blind to God's word. They ignored his word. They dismissed his commands. In fact, if you turn over to chapter 30, chapter 30, just turn the page and look at verse 10. In verse 10 of chapter 30, they say to their seers, those that receive visions from God, don't see. And they say to the prophets, those who receive a message from God to give to the people, they say to the prophets, don't prophesy to us right things. Speak to us smooth things. Prophesy deceits to us. They, they tell the prophets, hey, don't tell us what's right. Don't tell us the truth. Don't tell us what's true. Tell us smooth things. Tell us nice things. Tell us things that we want to hear. Don't tell us the truth. We don't want to hear the truth. See, they've made themselves blind. They're acting blind. I don't want to hear what the Word of God has to say. I'm not interested in that. I want to hear what I want to hear. Tell me what I'm doing is okay. Tell me the way that I'm living is acceptable. But don't tell me the truth. I don't want to hear the truth. And so they're acting blind to the Word of God. And they're acting blind to the commands of God. And so God says back in chapter 29, verse 9, don't miss what he says here. God says, You want to act blind to my commands, then okay. You be blind. You want to act blind? Be blind. You want to act like you can't see? Here's what God's saying. Then I'm going to make you unable to see. Whoa, that's pretty heavy. You want to act like you can't see? I'm going to make you unable to see. Their unwillingness to see will be followed by an inability to see. And because they acted blind to God's word, verse 10 says, because they're acting blind, the Lord has poured out on you the spirit of deep sleep and has closed your eyes, namely the prophets, and he has covered your heads, namely the seers. In Isaiah chapter 44, verse 18, it says, God has shut their eyes so that they cannot see and shut their hearts so that they cannot understand. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to know the truth. They don't want to hear what God's word has to say. And so there came a point where God said, okay, and God closed their eyes to spiritual things. So now they can't see. Before they didn't want to see, and now they can't see because God has closed their eyes to spiritual things. And God, it says in verse 10, gave them a spirit of deep sleep. He gave them a spiritual slumber where now, because they're in this spiritual slumber, now they no longer hear God. Now they no longer respond to God. Like a person who is sleeping is is unresponsive. Israel has become unresponsive spiritually. Where now the word of God doesn't affect them. 
When God speaks to them, they don't hear it. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't penetrate. It doesn't enter in. They're unresponsive. And at the same time, listen, at the same time, they're still going to the temple. They're still keeping the feasts. They're still, you know, observing the rituals and, and, the, and the traditions and all of that while they're, they're spiritually asleep. They're engaged in religious activity while they're spiritually asleep and while they're spiritually blind. And we're told here in these verses that their spiritual blindness and this stupor, the spiritual stupor is the result of their own refusal to listen to God's word. Spiritual blindness and spiritual, a spiritual stupor is the result of refusing to listen. And so God then sends that stupor upon a person's life. When we talk about uh, a revival, we talk about a spiritual awakening. What that is, is when the Holy Spirit now awakens believers who are in a stupor, who, are, who have spiritual blindness, who are, who are uh, spiritually asleep, because at some point in the past, they stopped listening to God's word. They stopped keeping his commands. They weren't interested in the things of God anymore. And so God put this stupor upon them. And then a spiritual awakening is now when the Holy Spirit awakens a person or awakens a congregation or awakens churches in an area, in a community. Now, where now, now they're alive to the things of God. Now they're awake to the things of God. Now they're tuned in and they're interested. And they're responding to it. They're not asleep anymore spiritually. Look at verse 11 again. This is what they're doing. The whole vision has become to you like the words of a book that is sealed. Not that it is a book that is sealed. They treat the Bible like, like it's a book that is sealed. Which men delivered to, to those who are literate. Those who should know how to read the Bible and interpret the Bible. And they say, read this please. So this is probably the priest's. Read this, please. And he says, I can't, for it's sealed. And then the book is delivered to one who is illiterate, saying, read this, please. And he says, I'm not not literate. And so you have two groups here. There's there's those who should be able to read and understand the Bible, but they say, well, it's a sealed book. What does that mean? They're saying, well, you can't really understand it. You can't really know what it means. And so there's no point trying to understand it. They They don't even attempt to open the book and understand it and make sense of it. They just say, well, hey, it's a sealed book, so there's no point trying, and they don't try. And then those in verse 12, those who are described as illiterate, they say, well, I'm illiterate. I can't, I can't read it. So these are the ones that would say, well, hey, I'm, I'm no theologian. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go to seminary. I don't, I don't know what it means. And at the same time, they don't try to find someone who does know what it means and ask that person to explain it to them. The, the point here is both of these groups are just making excuses. They're just making excuses. They're just saying, oh, it's too hard to understand. Can't make sense of it. There's no, no use trying. There's no use bothering. And it reminds me, uh, if you want to turn to Matthew 11, verse 16, it reminds me of something that Jesus said to the religious leaders in his day. Matthew chapter 11, verse 16 Jesus says, but to what shall I liken this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their companions and saying, well, we played the flute for you and you didn't dance. And we mourned to you and you didn't lament. 
For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said of John, Well, he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, Well, look, he's a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is justified by her children. They said of John, because he didn't eat or drink, they said, Well, he, he's got a demon. He can't be from God. If he doesn't eat and drink, he's got it. he can't be from God. Then Jesus comes along. He does eat and drink, and they say, Well, he can't be from God either because he eats so much and he drinks so much. In other words, nothing makes them happy. Right? The earlier part where it talks about the, the kids playing the flute, hey, we, we played a happy song and you didn't dance. We played a sad song and you didn't lament. There's nothing that makes you happy. There's nothing that you accept or agree with. You're just, what they're doing is they're just making excuses and just making an excuse to dismiss John and an excuse to dismiss Jesus. And in Isaiah's day, people were making excuses as well and they were making excuses about the word of God and it's too hard to understand. There's no reason to even try. And at the same time, what they thought is because we say we can't understand it, well, then we're not responsible for it. Because we say that I don't, I don't understand what the Bible means, or I don't understand what it says, well, then I'm, I'm not under its authority. And I don't have to answer to it. And I don't have to answer for it. And, and they treated it like just this excuse, kind of like this get-out-of-jail-free card. I don't understand it, so I'm not responsible. You can't hold me accountable for it. And, and that's, that's what they were doing in Isaiah's day. And the Lord is warning them that you're still going to be judged. It's just an excuse. There's still a judgment. Look at, look at verse 13. Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, that they have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. They honor God with their mouths, but the Lord says their hearts are far from me. You know, it's easy to say, I love God or I love Jesus. And your heart, you can say that, and your heart's a million miles away from him. And that's what they were doing. It was just this outward facade, but their hearts were a million miles away. And God looks on the heart. God knows the heart. He sees the heart. And look what it says again in verse 13. God says, they have removed their hearts far from me. God didn't move away from them. They moved away from God. They moved their hearts away from God. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. He asked me how I We're so glad you joined us today for Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. If you missed any part of this message or would like to hear additional teachings from this series, they're available to you for free at calvaryec.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. That way you will have access to each message as soon as it's made available online. That website again is calvaryec.com. If you live in the Baltimore, Washington area, we'd love for you to worship with us this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. For more information on what you can expect when you visit, go to calvaryec.com or give us a call. We can be reached at 410-491-4592. 
Again, that phone number is 410-491-4592. We look forward to you joining us as our guests. And please, take a moment to introduce yourself to Pastor Dan after the service and let him know you listen to Ring of Truth. With that, our time with you has come to an end today on Ring of Truth. Join Pastor Dan next time for more from this verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the book of Isaiah, right here on Ring of Truth.